Welcome to Real Truth Real Quick. My name is Rick Smith, Director of Digital Ministries at Watermark Church in Dallas, Texas. And I'm here with Todd Wagner. How you doing, Todd? Doing good, Rick. How you doing? Doing good. I, I had some personal questions I wanted to ask. One was your thoughts on Cadbury eggs. How many can we eat before it's a sin? Uh, to Easter Bunny, but since we did Santa, I'm just going to refer to that one. Yeah, that is a good one to go. Some people might want to know around this time of year, should we celebrate Easter with Easter Bunny? Check out the Santa one. Yeah, go check the one out of Santa. Uh, on a side note, what is your favorite Easter candy? Do you have a favorite? Peanut butter cups and almond M&M. So we got a lot of time. <laughs> resurrection. How can we be sure the resurrection really happened? All right. Resurrection. How can we know the resurrection happened? Great question. Uh, let me say, this is a question that we've got to learn to really be able to answer for our own sake. We can't just say, uh, the Bible said it, I believe it, that settles it. Because the truth is, is lots of folks are going to challenge you on that. And if all you do is just say, because I believe it, and there's all these questions thrown at you, and you never really settle them, it's eventually going to erode your faith. You've got to learn to be able to give good answers to faith's questions. That's why we're doing this whole series. Some of them are just pure apologetic answers like this, a rational reason to believe. What would be the rational reason to believe in the resurrection? I'm going to say one more thing before I answer that. The Bible says if the resurrection didn't happen, that we above all men are to be pitied and we above all men are fools. That's 1 Corinthians 15. So the resurrection is the pivot point in Christianity. I don't care what you say about Jesus, what a great teacher he was, uh, what a great prophet he was. He might be all those things, and a lot of people believe he's those things, but if he wasn't raised from the dead, he was not God incarnate. In fact, he was a lunatic, okay, because he died uh, for an illusion. He was a liar because he told others to believe in him at all costs, or he was a demon, as the famous Lord Liar Lunatic would say, because he told other people to trust in him for his eternal salvation. So how do we know? Uh, what you want to do is you want to go back and look at some of the al best alternative reasons that people give for why we shouldn't believe in the resurrection. Let me just give you a few of them. Uh, one of them is what's called the swoon theory, okay? And that is that Jesus never really died, that he, in fact, was just beaten up pretty badly. He feigned death, or those that crucified him thought that he was dead, took him down a little bit earlier, went in this cold, damp tomb. He was revived with rest and the cool temperatures that were there, and that he somehow pushed the stone back, defeated the Roman cohort, and then fooled the disciples into believing that he, in fact, defeated death. And there is nothing in his resurrection appearances that would seem to suggest that, uh, that the disciples had to tape him up like Rocky after the 14th round against Apollo Creed, okay? Uh, there was a sense that when he appeared to them, they saw him in all his dignified glory. Also, the guys that crucified Jesus were professional executioners. Um, some would tell us that if an executioner or a crucifier took a man off the cross before he was dead, he himself would die by the same manner. That was one of the reasons they pierced Christ on his side, to make sure that the blood and water separated as is consistent with physical death. They were convinced he was dead. The swoon theory is absurd. Okay? Secondly, some might say, well, the disciples stole the body. Okay? And in fact, that's one of the reasons that was put forth in the historical record in Scripture that they were going to say, hey, let's just say that disciples came and stole the body. The problem with that is that there was a Roman cohort there. Roman cohort, they were uh, a finely tuned and trained military force. If um, they fell asleep when they were on duty, they were burned to death on the spot. So they didn't typically doze off, okay? So the fact that they would say that as the reason that the disciples got in there, moved the stone, when they were asleep, they came and got the body is crazy. Um, they, uh, the, the last and probably best reason comes from a myth borrowed from other world religions and other cultural beliefs of the day, 
And so they bought into that. Let me just say this. There were other men that came on the scene and claimed to be the Messiah. And uh, one of the things that was true of, of each of those is they eventually faded away. The fact that we're talking about this in 2014 would suggest to you something really did happen there. This is Gamaliel in Acts chapter 5 when they were saying, hey, we've got to put these men down. And he said, men of Israel, take care of what you propose to do with these men. For some time ago, Thutis rose up, claiming to be a somebody, and a group of about 400 men joined up with him. But he was killed, and all who followed after him were dispersed and came to nothing. After this, Judas of Galilee rose up, and uh, during the census, uh, drew some people away. He too perished, and all those who followed him were scattered. So in this present case, I say to you, stay away from these men. Let them alone. For if their plan of action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them or else you may be even found to be fighting against God. His advice was, let it go, all right? Because if these guys stole the body, if they made it up, if it's a myth, it's going to pass away like all the other cultural myths did, okay? Some people say that the Canaanite religion of Baal worship, that Baal was in fact dead. He resurrects every spring when he's released for a time by his brother Mott, who tricked him and captured him. That's not the story at all. There's no parallels there. There are other stories of other gods and Zoroastrianism that as an angelic being that was birthed from a rock, Okay, which I guess was a virgin, so it's a virgin birth, you know. But there's never any record of him dying and coming back to life, uh, just coming to life out of a rock. Here's my favorite thing to tell people. Look, if the disciples didn't know this was true, they would have caved. Uh, if you go read in Chuck Colson's book, Loving God, I think, Chuck does a great job of talking about, hey, we had a vested interest to keep this secret tight among us. There was a very small number of us that knew the truth about Watergate. We had everything to gain if we didn't tell anybody. Okay, and we had everything to lose if we did, and we couldn't keep our mouths shut. He said it was one of the reasons that he came to believe in Jesus Christ because he looked at these men who had nothing to gain by perpetrating a lie, either a myth or that they stole the body, and they knew he was dead. These men put everything on the line. There was no gain. They didn't get uh, more power, more money, uh, or more opportunity to execute on their passion sexually or anything like that. I mean, there was not a tight conspiracy. It was a, it was a broad number of people that believed this to be true. Um, there was a, a large period of time uh, or, that went past before this story kept going out there. They didn't immediately gather together and say, let's make this our story. All the things which people who study conspiracies would say they typically need to be in place for conspiracy to really work. Uh, there's a guy who was a cold case detective in, um, in the city of Los Angeles. For 25 years, he took cold cases, and he uh, would study them and uh, do some work on them and then bring them back to life and prosecute and, and he took some of the things he used to study those dead cases, those cold cases, and he applied them to the resurrection and other things in Scripture. And he talks a lot about this, about conspiracy theories and what makes them work. And he's got some great apologetic stuff uh, you can take a look at. Uh, bottom line, Rick, okay, I think the greatest testimony that we have the resurrection happened is the transformed lives that happened of the men that believed it happened, that the resurrected and risen Lord appeared to and then the continued life and powerful transformation of people to this day, it didn't go away, as others did. This one seems to have legs because it has power, because it's true. Great stuff. Yeah, when someone asked me, what's the greatest defense you have to Jesus coming back from the dead? I go, man, my life. So our, our changed life is a powerful testimony. It's not the final and conclusive one. Although Jesus said that you love okay, and that you uh, give your life away the way I did because you know that this life isn't the end, because you know that I'll resurrect you by my resurrection power the same way I defeated death, that is a powerful testimony that we love all the way to the grave. Not that I have a good day, but that I live a sacrificial, servant-informed life 
enabled only by a supernatural presence in us, which we believe is the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. That's why the final apologetic is love. Great stuff. Hey, and we could talk uh, for hours about this topic. The great thing is there is no short amount of resources about the yeah. deity of Christ, and we're going to put lots of great resources. We encourage you to go to realtruthrealquick.com, look at some of the resources, links, books, other sermons that we're going to link to there, and uh, really be encouraged that you can know for sure that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. And we'll see you next week on Real Truth Real Quick.